This morning, if you have your Bibles, actually, I, I forgot my Bible, and there it is. We're at Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're at the same spot as we were last week. We're at, um, starting at verse 1, we're at the Beatitudes. And, and this week we have, we have a reading that we will play on video. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That was great. Thank you so much for sending that in and, and for that reading this morning. That's, that's the word of the Lord to us this morning, and I know that he will have things for us to learn as, as we always learn as we get into God's word. And, and here we go. This is week two of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in this super familiar passage called the Beatitudes. If you've been around a church at all for any length of time, you, this is a very popular popular passage. Um, you're blessed uh, when you're poor in spirit. Jesus is making these profound declarations uh, and these proclamations of blessing. When you're poor in spirit, when you're meek, when you're mourning, you're blessed when you're persecuted, or you're blessed when you're, when you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. This is totally upside down to what we as humans would think of as being blessed. It's totally upside down. Um, man, how do, we, how do we use this word blessed? What do we think it is to be blessed? Even in the church, how do we, how, when we speak and use the word blessed, how do we use it in our conversation? Like, man, I'm just, I'm so blessed that I got this new car. I'm so blessed to have this good cup of coffee. I'm, I'm blessed to have a good job and a comfortable life. We like to, we like to spiritualize our, our momentary comforts, and we like to call them blessings. And, and many times they are and can be blessings. But do we ever actually ask God what they are? Do we act, actually stop and pause and ask God what these things are? James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And those blessings that God gives, they're, they're for the purpose of us as believers to bless others as we are blessed. But the blessing that Jesus declares here, it, it doesn't have to do with this. It doesn't have to do with health and wealth and popularity. In fact, it's the opposite. Last week, last week we looked at the context into which Jesus was speaking to. He was beginning 
his ministry and it was powerful. It was amazing. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He was calling full-time disciples to himself in those four fishermen, right? And these types of people, they were, they were low in society. They weren't anybody special with any sort of pedigree to them. They were poor in spirit. They were the very people that Jesus was talking about. They were mourning and they were meek. They were, they were gentle. These were those who had no religious prowess or, or power whatsoever. They would have been thrown out as useless and, for, and forgotten in society. It's hard for us to, to think about this because we, don't, we have so many programs and so much social assistance and things in our culture, but there was none of that in that day. They were thrown out. They were thrown out. But Jesus actually, what he does is amazing. Jesus, Jesus sees them, and he doesn't go with the social norm of the day. No, in fact, he welcomes. He welcomes this exact bunch into his kingdom first. And that's exactly who Jesus goes to first. And we remember the main theme of Matthew that, we are, that we're really driving home and remembering as we go through this. The main theme of Jesus and his ministry the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. It is here in Jesus. And he is inaugurating his kingdom on the earth through his healing ministry and through the freedom and forgiveness and grace that he brings. And it's this kingdom of heaven culture that he brings. And it's, and it's power. It's power on the earth. The very people that Jesus says these blessings to Although perhaps they were not blessed physically, they were not. They were blessed indeed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because the truth is that the kingdom is the blessing. The kingdom of heaven is the greatest blessing to be welcomed into that family. And so Jesus is taking and he's offering it to these people. And they are truly, truly blessed. The kingdom of heaven or, or the kingdom of God in other passages, it is the ultimate blessing. And the kingdom of heaven is wherever God's presence dwells. It's wherever his rule and his reign is manifest, is made known. Wherever that happens is the kingdom of heaven. And it's on earth now in part. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is in you in part. And it was fully in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this amazing rabbi, teacher, prophet, king that we've been talking about. The kingdom of heaven was, was being put on display and inaugurated in him. And you know what? As we live in his kingdom, as citizens of heaven, if indeed you have called this Jesus of Nazareth your king, and you've answered that call as he says, follow me, and he is saying, follow me to you, if you haven't answered that call yet. The Sermon on the Mount that he, that he goes through, he explains, he, he goes into detail the good and glorious news of the kingdom of heaven on earth, and what it means for a once broken and super needy community, that's us. Humanity, 
It transforms us, this, this good news of the kingdom. It transforms us from the inside out by the Spirit of God. At least it should. It should transform us as we read this word by the power of the Spirit at work in us. And that's the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the very same Spirit in you. The kingdom of heaven came in Jesus and can now in part be experienced and also poured out by you as a citizen of this kingdom. This is awesome news. This is good news. This is why this is the gospel, the good news of Matthew. He's just telling us good news upon good news upon good news. Good news has some hard things for us to hear in it if we are still holding on to our own kingdom and flesh at times. But this is the best news when you want to enter fully, as fully as we can, into the kingdom that Jesus is talking about here. The word tells us that that creation groans in anticipation of the day when Jesus comes and restores the earth in full. And I know you and I know myself that someday we're going to be made new and we're going to enter this this glory and certainly I am at moments groaning in anticipation of the day when Jesus takes away the hurt and the brokenness that we experience when God once again fully dwells with man and woman. It's going to be amazing, you guys. It's going to be amazing. So anyone welcomed into the kingdom of heaven is blessed, is the most blessed. So as I was praying and studying this week and and I was chewing on this passage, I came to see so clearly the wonderful grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus that he shows to anyone that he would call to be into his kingdom. Because it's grace because none of us deserves it. None of us deserves this welcome. And that's the whole point. Jesus takes what was far less than worthy and he makes it worthy. He takes us in our, in our sin-stained, broken state and calls us to himself. And we repent because we see, we see how it grieves him. And we see his love. And we repent, and he calls us righteous and healed. That's grace. It's not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And it's because of his grace. Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, paying the penalty for your sin, for my sin, And because of the power that he then showed over hell and death itself by being raised to life on the third day. That's power. That's the gospel. You might have heard that a thousand times, but I pray that that would impact you again fresh this morning. That you have been shown much grace. And that is what Jesus shows as we come to this word, and see his invitation to the kingdom. Grace. It's grace. He welcomes us now as he was welcoming the crowd 2,000 years ago on the mountainside. He welcomes us into this kingdom. And the blessings he pronounced, these blessings, they're they're so strange to anybody who was listening, but, but they have 
what I would consider, and we're going to explore today a little bit, two main undercurrents to them. There are two main undercurrents to these blessings. And if you think of the Beatitudes, there's mourning, persecuted, merciful, peacemakers. I believe Jesus is speaking here to a posture of, of the heart and of a relationship with God. These aren't things to attain this list. Well, then you'd be trying to earn God's grace. And that's the, the opposite of what's happening here. That's not grace, that's works. Jesus is addressing the heart, the reality of the heart. And so the first undercurrent that we see here is humility. Humility. And that can take a couple different meanings. Humility, you can be humbled, right? You can be humbled by life circumstances, or you can humble yourself and take the posture of, of humility. I think a number of these blessings, they, they speak to, to those who have humble hearts. Um, to be humble, to be of a lower position, or to, to recognize your need. You, you know that you are in need. It's the opposite of pride, thinking you have it all together. Being, being prideful is, is thinking you got it all together. Being humble is admitting that, that you actually don't. You actually don't. And it's a grace that you can even come to that place. Um, that's one way we think of humility regularly. But the other, the other way that we think of the word humble uh, is this. To be humble is to submit to underneath the authority of another. If you humble yourself under someone, you are submitting under that person's authority in your life. Jesus, Jesus was the ultimate example of humility. Philippians 2 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So who was he humbled to and obedient to? He was, he was humbled, he was obedient, he was submitted to the Father. He was humbled before the Father, which is essential to the, being in the kingdom of heaven. Humility. Humility is essential. It's essential, being humble in heart. Isaiah 66, verses 1 to 2 says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. So God God, God is near to these, this type of people. Pay attention. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. These are the types of people that God looks upon. These are the types of people that enter the kingdom of heaven. The humble, whether humble by circumstance or humble in heart by choice in partnership with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The humble experience, they experience the kingdom of heaven now, and then they're going to inherit it in full in the future. What a blessing. Amen? You can say amen in your homes. That's a blessing. That's the best blessing. The kingdom is the blessing. These are those who are truly blessed. This is those who are, who are the poor in spirit. Humbled, not the spiritually elite. Those who are broken and they know it. 
These are those who mourn, who are mourning, who know they, they need someone beyond themselves to get through this. And they will be comforted by God because God alone is the one who brings the comfort that is truly needed. And it's the meek. It's the meek, those who are gentle, those who are not forcing their opinions and trying to battering ram their way through life. This is the meek and the, and the gentle, not, not trying to control and advance their own little kingdom. But the meek, those receive an inheritance. And then those who are persecuted, they are being humbled. Those who are persecuted for Jesus, what a humble state that is to persevere through that. But the word tells us what, what a glory and an intimacy with Jesus can be theirs because they are humble to go through this. What an intimacy can be theirs both now and in the age to come. Those who would lay down their lives for the king, it's amazing. All of these have much to do with humility. It is massive in the kingdom of heaven. Humility. Jesus himself, Jesus himself puts on full display this humility over and over and over again throughout the gospel. He is God himself in the flesh, and yet he humbled himself. That's a culture of the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to see this as we go through this gospel together. But in addition to humility, there's a second piece that I recognize as an undercurrent in the Beatitudes, and it is righteousness. It's this word righteousness. And it's a big Christian-y word, and it actually has a couple of different meanings, kind of like humility does. Um, I'm not going to go through it all for time's sake, but just like humility, it has different, different ways you can look at it. So really briefly, just so we're on the same page with what I'm talking about here. Righteousness is what I would first define as complete and total right relationship with God. Complete and full right relationship with God. And it's associated with, with holiness. And first of all, we know that no one is righteous on their own. We just have to say that right from the top. All have sinned. Romans 3, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. So there's no way we can be righteous on our own. And it's only through Jesus becoming a man, bearing our sin and our brokenness and the curse of sin on himself, on the cross. It's only through that that we can actually be righteous. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. We can become the righteousness of God are you kidding me? Jesus is amazing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for this righteousness, who hunger and thirst for it. I'm not sure many of us, you know, perhaps a few of us would know what it's actually like to be hungry. I've never known true hunger. I've, I've eaten every day of my life, unless I'm fasting. <laughs> But I don't know what it's actually like to be hungry. But the folks that were listening to Jesus, when he, when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, they actually knew what it was to be hungry. They actually knew what it was 
to be thirsty. Because they lived in a land, there was great deserts. Thirst was a very real thing. I want you to picture for a moment, picture yourself in a desert. You can go Hollywood for this one, whatever. You're on a camel in the, in the middle of this vast desert, okay? And your canteen that was full of water, you busted a hole in it, and now it's leaked all of your water out. Now all of a sudden you're in trouble. This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of life and death. You're only going to have one thing on your mind at that point. Get to the nearest well. Get to the nearest well or you're going to die. And you're on your way and your throat and your mouth, they dry up. Every time you swallow, it is excruciating pain like sandpaper rubbing your throat together. I've heard testimonies of people that have actually walked an experience like this and it's It sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. And listeners of Jesus, when they think of thirst and hunger, they would have have known more severe than than what I would know. This is thirst. So you're going to seek after water with life or death resolve. You are going to, there is no other option. There is nothing else but to head for that well. Blessed are those Blessed are those who are that desperate for righteousness. Jesus says you're blessed if you're that desperate for righteousness. Who know, those who know and who seek after that which gives life with a life or death resolve. For God alone can satisfy. Christ alone is our righteousness before the Father. And that's good news. That's really good news because of what we just read in Corinthians, that Jesus Christ is the one who makes us righteous. But righteousness, righteousness can also speak of the righteous deeds that we do. That is used that way in Scripture. And the speaking of the righteous deeds we do, obviously when done with the right heart. It doesn't earn us salvation doesn't earn us entrance into the kingdom, but it certainly puts us in a position to experience the reality of the present kingdom more and more. Our current righteousness and right living and throwing off sin and putting, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, that kind of language that is used in the scripture, that allows us then relationally with God to experience the present kingdom more and more. And so righteousness, righteousness is a big deal, not only for salvation that Christ gives us, but also in our lives as we live and walk in the kingdom of heaven. It's a big deal. Blessed are the merciful, those who show mercy, those who know the mercy they've been shown and then show it to others. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, that's the, the experiential. You are going to see God through this righteousness, being pure in heart. They're going to experience the kingdom in greater measure. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God or daughters. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Why are they called sons of God? Because they're just like their father in heaven. That's his culture. 
They're like their, they're just like their dad, living by his beliefs and culture. The kingdom, the kingdom life. So these are all things that we, we are or that we do by the grace of God. And it allows us to experience the reality of the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven more and more. John 14, 21, it says this. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So we do have a part to play here, right? We love the righteousness of, and that Christ gives us, and that's speaking of salvation when we come to him, but there's also part for us to play in this. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You will have a greater knowledge you will have an increase of the kingdom of heaven reality as Jesus shows himself to you in greater measure as you live in righteousness, as you obey Jesus, as you obey him. That's awesome. That's awesome. I hope that's incentive enough because the kingdom is the blessing. Our, our keeping of commandments, it doesn't gain us entrance into the kingdom. We saw that. We saw that we call upon Christ in our helpless state, and we say yes to that radical call to follow him and repent. That's the entrance. But the kingdom experience now and the inheritance and reward to come is indeed tied to our obedience. It's tied to our obedience. And it's powerful, and I love and I'm passionate about you guys I'm passionate about myself experiencing the kingdom of heaven on earth here and now. And there's moments that I still groan in anticipation, and that's good. Rejoicing and mourning is the walk of the Christian until we are one day in glory forever. But as, a, as an illustration uh, to show us uh, an example of, of how this works I've actually asked Leah uh, to share a testimony. You can come on up. Leah to share a testimony with us today that shows this truth in the real world. It shows us this truth of obedience to the Father and loving Jesus in the kingdom of heaven reality actually being a real thing. And so I just encourage you uh, to, to take part and, and really Listen to this story knowing that uh, we are nothing super spiritual or special or anything, but that the grace of God has, has been so real to us in the kingdom. All right, enough talking. You can go for it. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Good morning. Um, so Josh asked me to share a story that uh, occurred about six years ago. Um, I had the opportunity to go away for a weekend conference in the States, and uh, doesn't happen very often, but it was uh, a great opportunity. And so I was, uh, we had our hotel in the city in the States, and uh, we had to get from our hotel to the convention center where um, the conference was being held. And in the city, they have uh, all the buildings downtown are connected by walkways, like above the side. I don't know, I forget what they're called. Uh, like, but the walkways like they go over the street, but so you can stay inside and you just climb through these walkways and follow this path and this maze through all these office buildings until it takes you to the convention center. 
and you don't have to go outside. It was cold. It was, uh, I think it was winter time. And um, yeah, so we're starting this path from our hotel. And as we are uh, walking through uh, this carpeted, heated hallway, uh, we start noticing um, the city allows their homeless to come and spend the night in those areas. And so there's huddled groups of homeless uh, people uh, sitting along the path. And um, our, as we're walking, I think we had probably one of the farthest hotels from the convention center. There's more people joining us walking to the convention center. I remember at one point there was a, a man, a homeless man laid out on the carpet face down and you had to walk around him and everyone kind of stopped and like, is he alive? He was very still and you kind of saw him breathing. You're like, okay, so he's alive. And we made our way to the, our seats and we sat down and, and as I was sitting there and as we, our conference is starting and, and we're singing our worship, it just it hit me that how I just felt the conviction from the Holy Spirit. And I was like, how can I sit here and worship God with my voice when there's these people that are, have been ignored and are just sitting there without purpose or without knowing how much he loves them? And so I argued with God about it. I felt, I, and I felt God say, there's a, walked the, quickly through the blocks to get to the coffee shop, feeling like, okay, now I have to, I wasted time arguing. Now I have to get going here. And I bought the coffee and the, and the snacks. And then I realized, well, how do I get up there to the hallways where the people are? Um, because it was a Saturday morning, and all of the office buildings are locked and shut. <clears throat> and so I felt like, and I'm like, I don't know the city. I don't know where I'm going. And I felt, I'm like, I'm this little little lady by myself, lost in, from the country, and country bumpkin in the big city. And I started feeling a little bit afraid. And I felt God saying, and I heard him in my heart, and he said, I will not send you somewhere out from my protection and for my presence. I'm not asking you to leave me. I'm with you. And I said, okay, well, if you're with me, then you're going to have to tell me where to go. And I kid you not that he gave me rights, lefts, until I got to another building, and I walked in, and I said, is there a way to get, there's a, there was a lady at a desk, and I said, is there a way to get to the skyway or the walkways? And she says, yes, this elevator. So I got into this elevator, and I came up, and it came out right where we had seen uh, the, the group of uh, homeless people that I had expected, that I had felt God telling me to go see, which was crazy. Um, and then, but as I opened, as I looked down the hallway, they were gone. And I felt so disappointed. And I want to take a note and say, and say that when we, when we feel like we miss out on what God has for us or has asked us to do, it's, it's disappointing, but it's not shameful. And I really appreciated that in that moment, that he didn't shame me and he didn't say, oh, look, you missed out and now they're missing out. And he, he was very kind and gentle. And he said, okay, there's other people now. He's like, his, in his mercy and his grace, he, I missed out on that experience, but he said, no, you still have four coffees and four muffins, and now there's four more people that you need to, to talk to. 
So, and I can't get back into this conference center with outside food and food and drinks. So I have to find these people. So there was, I started walking down the hallway. There was a, I did find one homeless man. He was sleeping still. So I just left it, a coffee and a muffin with him. Now I have three left. I start walking every, it's empty now. Like it's, it's bizarre. I'm like, it's a Saturday morning in the city. This is weird. Okay. Um, I ended up chasing down a homeless man in the hallway. He's walking. <laughs> I'm like, hey. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of strange. And I'm like, center. I can't go in. I still have two cups of coffee and a muffin and muffins. And so I end up walking past the conference center, just looking like I just like my friends are probably going to be starting to wonder where I am. And I'm missing things inside that I was hoping to see and hear. And so I'm just like, Lord, like, show me someone. And there's a man on a bus bench about two blocks away. So I run over there and I get there in time before the bus comes to say, hey, I have a cup of coffee for you. And I was just as I was running up to him, I was asking the Lord, I'm like, what do I say to this guy? He's this big guy. And I'm this like crazy white girl running with a cup of coffee. And uh, he's like, just tell him that I love him and that I see him. And so I just ran up to him like, hey, I have something to say to you. Jesus sees you and he loves you and this is for you. And he was just dumbfounded. And I said, have a great day. And then now I have one more cup of coffee. And there is no one at that. The bus came, picked him up, and there's no one on the street. And so I'm standing there, and I am, I'm literally in front of the, the, the doors to get back into the, the conference center. And I'm like, I, like, what do I do? Like, I can't come back. I'm like, I don't want to throw this out. Like, Lord, you said there was four to do four. And across the street, there's a parking lot. And at the front of the parking lot, there's a, um, a toll booth to get in. And, but the windows are all tinted. And so I'm like, I wonder if there's someone working in there. Like, maybe. Like, I'll walk by and see. And so sure enough, there's a man working in this toll booth as I get closer. And so I knocked on the window. And I said, hey, like, would you be, would you like a cup of coffee and a muffin? And he just says, yeah, sh I, I would. It was, it's a chilly day. And I just said, and he says, are you from the conference there? And I said, yeah. And we started talking. And so we talked for about 45 minutes. He told me his life story. He's an immigrant. He has a large family. He works several jobs. Um, and I got to, like, tell him, like, I'm going to pray for you and your family. And, like, to this day, I still think of them and I pray for them. And I was able to, like, go back into this uh, conference and, and enjoy the rest of the weekend. And it was such a, it's a story, it's a, it's a memory that I have of uh, in, to be obedient quickly. Because I still wonder what would have happened if I was quicker to be obedient. What would the story have been and what, uh, what that would have looked like. But also the mercy and the grace that God has for when we're slow <laughs> and when and how he's so gentle with us and how he's so has I still experienced his pleasure and I still experienced his presence and I still experienced his miraculous um well, I pray for you guys all the time that you would have these experiences but sometimes we just don't even know what that sounds like or looks like so I hope that this builds expectation and, and I'm actually going to ask if you can pray uh to close us uh God is so good. These Beatitudes, humility and righteousness, and we experience and we enter this, this wonderful kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about. 
And so would you just pray, uh, pray for us as we close that, that we would all grow and experience this more? Lord, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for the church uh, as the bride of Christ, Lord. I thank you that you're making us beautiful, that you are growing our character, Lord, that you are growing us in the knowledge and wisdom of you and of your reality, Lord Jesus. I just praise you for that. And God, I just ask that um, even today, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and minds with the truth of your kingdom of heaven, God. Lord, would you show us um, the moments in our day today, that you would show us those moments where heaven meets earth, Lord, where we see that you are king, where you are Lord of lords, God, where you are provider in our provision. Lord, would, you, would we see those moments, those moments where the fatherless are, are welcomed into a family? Lord, would, you, would we see those moments where heart's desires are satisfied where rights are made or wrongs are made right god those are the kingdom of heaven moments lord that is that is things being made right and we celebrate that and we celebrate that naturally we celebrate your we celebrate reconnection naturally lord we celebrate community and health and and beauty naturally lord and that is the kingdom of heaven life and so, Lord, I ask that our eyes and our hearts would be open to seeing that. That is not man-made. That is not our creation. That is not just the natural way of things. God, that is you. That is your life. That is your purpose. And you are making th- all things right. So, Lord, I just ask that as a church family, as a community, as um, families in our home, Lord God, that you would show up in that way that wherever we go, we would bring the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. into our workplaces this week, into the schools, into our relationships, into our Zoom meetings. Lord, wherever we go, would we bring the kingdom of heaven life, making things right, being peacemakers, being humble, and seeing your beauty in that, God, mm-hmm. the beauty that you bring. Thank you. Amen. Yes. Jesus, thank you so much. I believe that, that this is for all of your people. I believe that with all of my heart. And so, Jesus, I pray that we, you would give us a hunger and a thirst for more of you. For some of us, that, that initial hunger and thirst for righteousness because we aren't right with you yet. We haven't actually come to you on your terms yet. But, Jesus, I pray for the salvation of many. And then out of that, God, I pray, too, that, that we would hunger and thirst for the righteousness that leads to us experiencing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that you part, allow us to partner with you. Jesus, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, may we be humble before you and desire righteousness in our lives. We bless you, for you are the all-powerful God. You are the one that makes all of this happen. We love you. We praise you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior, our first love, Jesus Christ, we love you. Amen.
Amen. Bless you guys as you go. Thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing some of your pictures and uh, hearing from you in the next week or two. God bless.